0: Hello, America. Welcome to the Blake Johnson Podcast. It's been a while since I've been here, but uh, I really wanted to catch up with you and talk about some of the news and the headlines and all the controversies going on uh, here lately. We'll delve into a few of those. But I want to give a shout-out real quick to some of the uh, platforms that carry this podcast. If you are currently listening to the primary Holder of this podcast, Anchor.fm. know that if you like listening to your podcasts on platforms like Google Play, Spotify, Breaker, and Apple Podcast, you can. You can just go to uh, wherever you want to get your podcast right now. I'm trying to add it to as many platforms as I can. But if you go, if you like listening to your podcasts on iTunes, the Blake Johnson Podcast is up there. Just search for it, and you will be able to find it there and listen to it. Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. All of those currently carry this podcast. So if you would, wherever you listen to your uh, podcasts, if you listen to this show, I would encourage you to rate it, give it a five-star rating, and review it. Tell everyone what you like about the show. The reason I ask this is because if you do that, it will boost this show's availability, Uh, to the public, and it makes people notice it more, and it will then drive more people to listen to this show and hopefully support it, and that is how we will grow together and be able to put even more great content out for you to listen to. So if you would, if you listen to it on iTunes, if you listen to it on Google Podcasts or Spotify or any of the other platforms I listed, rate it, give it a five-star rating and review, and... That would be much appreciated. Very much so. Okay, so there's a lot to talk about today in regards to what's going on in the news. But I want to I start off talking to you about one of my favorite topics, food. Ah, I love food. You love food and I love it too. You remember the good old days when you could just go to a restaurant or you can just, uh, you know, fast food chain or wherever And you could just simply order food, or if you like getting breakfast somewhere, just get some coffee or donuts or just wherever. And that's all it's about. The organization is just about giving you good quality food, good quality drinks, and that's it. They're not in the business to promote political activism. They're not trying to sell you some sort of political agenda. They just want to give you good food. Well, now it seems some of these more popular chains in this country don't want to do that anymore. I mean, they want you to get their food, but they also want you to align yourself with their political ideology. And it's not just the fast food chains. It's not just places like Starbucks and uh, Burger King that are trying to do this. It's some of these cities in the United States that will ban Uh, restaurants like Chick-fil-A if they don't align with their secular progressive agenda and I wanted to talk a little bit about that because in the past week or two especially this has kind of gone not necessarily unnoticed but not really focused on because there is a culture war happening in many aspects of our society but in particular it's also happening with the places that we like to go to eat food, and that we like to drink. Hopefully, uh, you know, good coffee or whatever. So let, let me uh, let me talk to you about this one. You may already be familiar with this story, but this was uh, about a week or so ago, and Dunkin' Donuts has come out and said that they are not Starbucks. They are refusing to get woke. So the Duncan Brand, which owns both Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin-Robbins Ice Cream, has taken a stand against politicizing their businesses. And according to the remarks made by senior executives during a panel at the 2019 International Trademark Association meeting in Boston, and I guess the vice president of brand stewardship, Drayton Martin, uh, said that Dunkin' Donuts is, quote, not Starbucks. We aren't political. Martin further specified politically provocative designs on cups was something Dunkin' would not participate in. He says, quote, we don't want to engage you in political conversation. We want to get you in and out of our store in a matter of seconds. Amen. Amen. Now, obviously, the... uh you know, the mainstream media isn't too thrilled about that because they like their Starbucks. They like their brands to be filled with progressive leftists agenda. And Duncan Donuts is saying, We don't care about that. We just want to give you a good quality product so that you keep coming back for more. See, here's here's the thing that a lot of these places aren't realizing. We're not going there because we want to be educated on politics. We're going to your places because you offer really good food. And if you offer really crappy food, we won't come back. But we can no longer, as a society, be about, you know, just offering what people want. We have to offer you things you need but don't know yet. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but this is in stark contrast to, I guess, the latest surrounding Burger King. Burger King, I don't know if this is a universal uh, thing, uh, but at least in the the, uh, UK, Burger King has decided to engage in... I would say one of the most heinous aspects of political activism that I've seen, especially from a fast food chain. So uh, you had these uh, protests in Scotland and the political opponents during the EU parliamentary election cycle. And I guess some of the left-wing progressive people were throwing Burger King. I don't know if they were specifically Burger King, but they were milkshakes. At the more conservative protesters. And then Burger King weighs in. And they post this on Twitter. I mean this is available for everybody to see. It's still up there. It says. Dear people of Scotland. We're selling milkshakes all weekend. Have fun. Love. BK. Hashtag. Just saying. So they are encouraging. These left wing. Protesters. To throw objects. At their political opponents and then below that later they say after getting this uh, pushback they say we would never endorse violence or wasting our delicious milkshakes so enjoy the weekend and please drink responsibly people but that's not what you tweeted you said we're selling milkshakes all weekend and then you use the hashtag just saying right when these things are happening yes you are encouraging violence <laughs> you are encouraging violence And I love some of these comments saying, why don't you just stick to flipping burgers? Well, because that's too boring for them. See, they can't just stick to offering burgers or fries or milkshakes. They have to indoctrinate people. They have to indoctrinate their customers. It's despicable, really. And... You know, I actually, this morning, as I've never had Dunkin' Donuts before, and I'm actually a newcomer to coffee itself, but I have had Starbucks before, and, you know, I just got into a place where I was uneasy with getting coffee from Starbucks because I know what their left-wing politics are, so that's on me uh, for doing that. So I thought, you know what, I've heard, because I was aware of this story about Dunkin' Donuts saying we're not going to be political. We don't care about all this activism crap. So I thought, well, let me try Dunkin' Donuts. I've never had it before. And I have to tell you, I like it a lot. I mean, first of all, their coffee is is cheaper, for one. I mean, you can get a tall, which is small, uh, a tall drink or a small drink if you will from Starbucks for like 5 bucks depending on what it is. I got a medium coffee and two donuts for 6 bucks. Okay. And they are they have, you know, coffee, they have iced coffee, they have hot chocolate, they have donuts, they have breakfast foods, egg sandwiches and stuff like that. They I mean they have plenty of stuff to choose from for cheaper prices. And honestly the coffee's better. I mean, I'm not an expert on coffee. I'm still pretty new to it, but I like their coffee more. I'm, I'm just saying. I, I, maybe you've had it and you're like, "Well, dub," like, but or maybe you don't like it. I don't know. But to me, I like it because you still get. I got a caramel macchiato. That's one of my favorite drinks, and you still taste it, but you can also taste more coffee. So it's not just a. You know, more sweet drink, and you don't really get much out of it. it. It's here's what you ordered, and you can really taste the coffee, but you can also taste the caramel flavor in it as well. So I think it tastes better, personally. And I don't see myself going back to Starbucks, you know, because if you remember, and they've been involved in several different controversies, but Starbucks, um, they are a big donator to Planned Parenthood and they have been for years despite what their I don't know if it was their CEO or one of their main managers said otherwise uh, but he was actually oblivious to the fact that Starbucks donates to Planned Parenthood and when he when he was asked about it on Fox Business he was like "Uh, I'm not aware of that and then he had to correct himself later and say oh yeah actually we do Uh, we contribute quite a bit of money to Planned Parenthood and you know there's there's other controversies that have surrounded uh, Starbucks as well. Um, they donate a lot of money to Democrats, despite what their former CEO, Howard Schultz, said, saying, oh, well, I don't encourage this. Well, no, actually, they, they do. The Democrats, the, the employees, the executives, and so on, have donated well over a million dollars to Democrat candidates. And almost nothing... In comparison to Republican candidates. So there's a clear bias there. And if you remember back in 2013. This was a few months after the Sandy Hook shooting in Newtown Connecticut. Starbucks asked customers not to take firearms into or around their cafes. And he was trying to uh, consider customers who have been jarred. And fairly uncomfortable to see guns in their stores. And in an open letter, he wrote that gun rights activists were using the stores as a political stage for events that disingenuously portray Starbucks as a champion of open carry. And they've also, as a company, circulated a petition about a 2013 government shutdown and applauded a 2015 Supreme Court ruling on gay marriage. So they have weighed in multiple times on these left-wing political issues. And they also... um, When these, uh, you know, news stories about different shootings involving black men by police and racial tensions around the country, Mr. Schultz, who, I guess, is he still running for president? Uh, I think he's running as an independent, I believe. But he, he has a brilliant plan to have the baristas right race together on their cups. And it got a lot of pushback. And... I mean, it, I mean, it got a lot of pushback, you know, and it didn't, happen, it didn't make people happy with it. And then, of course, the infamous story that happened, it was actually about a year ago this, this month. They, if you remember the story about two African-American men who were arrested in a store in Philadelphia because they were just sitting there in the Starbucks and they hadn't bought anything. And they were asked, okay, if you're not here to buy anything, you need to leave. And then the story broke and it went viral. Everybody was talking about it. And then right afterwards, there was a strong condemnation from their uh, higher ups at Starbucks saying, we don't approve of this. And I think they fired actually the employees that did that or the, the manager, whoever that, that did that to those black men saying, oh, well, you need to buy something if you're going to be here. And then they, then they shut down. Uh, for a extended period of time so they could conduct their anti-bias training or something like that it's like four four hour training on nearly uh, to take yeah on their 175,000 employees so they've been they've been involved in many of these political fronts for a while and at the same time they it's like they try to play it both ways well we're, we're not really into that we we you know we, we just want to offer you a good product No, that's not what's going on. They don't seem to be too ashamed about it because they are openly donating to racist, genocidal organizations like Planned Parenthood, and they don't seem to care about it, despite the backlash. They don't care. So, you know, I think this is one of the reasons why I love America, because you can have companies do this, but you can also have companies like Dunkin' Donuts saying, "Uh, we're just going to stay away from that we're going to offer you a good product and it allows their business to thrive and grow because people are like oh well good i want to get products from you because you're not trying to sell me a load of crap you're trying to sell something that i want and that tastes good so i think i'll shop there you know and because we live with some elements still of a free market economy free market capitalism, it allows this kind of competition to take place. Or let's look at what's been going on in Texas with the now dubbed Save Chick-fil-A Bill. This is basically a bill that in Texas, this is in Texas, that says uh, you can't as a government entity say you can't have your business in our city because you donate or you're affiliated with this religious organization because i think the city of san antonio voted to ban chick-fil-a from san antonio because they weren't lgbtq friendly enough even though they hire gay people they're not saying if you're gay you can't work here if you're gay you can't shop here they just say we believe in marriage between a man and a woman godly marriage but the bill, which has passed both the House and the Senate in Texas, I don't know if the governor has signed it yet, Greg Abbott. But he said that he he basically said he's going to. I mean, he took a picture of himself, or it wasn't himself, but he was. It was in the background. There was a uh, Chick Fil A drink and a the story news story up on the Blaze about the Chick Fil A bill, and he was saying, "I wonder if I'm going to sign it or not." Basically, saying he's going to. And this is great, I think, because honestly, I think there should be more freedom, not less. Look, if you're a business and you want to donate to, you know, Planned Parenthood, you want to donate to these leftist organizations, fine. You Go ahead. Go ahead and do that. You know, you won't see the liberals in the media. You won't see the leftist progressives in the media or in Washington try to shut down... Starbucks because they donate to their organizations no but they will discriminate against a traditional conservative message coming from places like Chick-fil-a because they believe in traditional marriage and they donate to organizations that support traditional marriage that support pro-life issues they'll try to shut them down it's a double standard you know in my in my mind People should be able to donate to whoever the heck they want to donate to. And allow the free market to work. Allow the people, allow the customers to decide where they want to shop. Where they want to associate themselves with. That's how it should work. Get the government out. You know, that's that's my idea. That's my belief. So... I think this is in a way it's a good thing. You know, and I think more people should talk about it because it's it's allowing we need to encourage people to educate themselves but to make their choices and and understand where your money is going to. You know, if you're if you're supporting some of these products but you don't support planned parenthood, you need to know, okay, well these organizations are donating to them. Do you still want to buy their products? And some people will say yes. Some people will continue to use those products. And that's something you have to work out on your own. I, I can't sit here and tell you what you should and shouldn't do. But we have to be informed. And ultimately, yeah, I, I think a business should be allowed to donate to whoever they want. I don't think we should have a federal Ruling that if you're a small business, you're not allowed to make any donations whatsoever. I mean, more freedom, not less. But it would still be nice if all businesses would just... Even if you're going to donate, not make a big deal about it. You know? In a perfect world, it would be nice if people just lived and let live. But that's not how we roll. So that's uh that's the news on that front um i'm gonna take a break come back and possibly delve into some more topics after the break you're listening to the blake johnson podcast on anchor.fm back. This is the Blake Johnson Podcast. I do appreciate you tuning in to listen. It means a lot to me. If you would, share this podcast with a friend, family member, whoever likes to listen to podcasts. Please promote this show and just ask them to listen to it. And if they would, and if you would, if you haven't already, please give it a five-star rating and review. So that way this show will be promoted more and will allow more people when they're looking on their favorite platforms like iTunes or Google Play or Spotify for new podcasts to listen to, this particular show will be more likely to pop up on that suggestions list or they'll be able to see the reviews and be like, huh, a lot of people like this, so I think I'll check it out. Now, if you don't like the show, don't lie about it. Just maybe not, not tell anyone <laughs> that you don't like it on the, on the actual platform. But hopefully if you like this show, you will do that and it would mean so much to me if you would. Okay, I want to, I'm not going to spend much time on this particular news story, but it's just, it's so agonizing. It really is. Ilhan Omar, I think, is one of the most dangerous people that we've ever had in Congress. She is a congresswoman from Minnesota, and she is awful. (laughs) It's just really awful. She said some of the most anti-Semitic things that I've heard from a congressman or woman. And look, you don't have to be pro Israel uh, and be, and, and because you're not pro Israel, that means you're automatically an anti Semite. But when you support countries, you support movements that are uh, particularly geared towards the suppression of the Jewish people, that is anti Semitic. And that is Congresswoman Ilan Omar. And she constantly trashes America. She constantly trashes our founding. She doesn't like this country, but for some reason wants to be a congresswoman. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder if it could have anything to do with the progressive agenda of transforming this country like Barack Obama said. Transforming. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. I wonder if it has anything to do with that. Well, she... She, I guess, once, a, once again... Took another shot at you, the American people," she said on Tuesday. See this Tuesday or last Tuesday on a podcast that ignorance is prevalent in many parts of this country. She said that Republicans were really good at misinformation and quote sort of really organize reorganizing facts to sort of paint a picture that really eventually is not rooted in fact. End quote. She continues by saying, and so it's not that they might not be knowledgeable about this, but they use it as a tool to stir up hate and division. And ignorance really is pervasive in many parts of of this country, end quote. And, you know, she's she's gotten backlash before on a near, I mean, it's pretty much a weekly basis at this point. For anti-Semitic comments and the Democratic leadership has defended her by claiming that she was ignorant about the type of words that are used in the U.S., saying that Omar has a different experience in the use of words and doesn't understand that some of them are fraught with meaning. But what's interesting, and I believe she has uh, pushed back on this, she has said, no, I I do understand my words. I know exactly what I'm saying. And that's why I think she's one of the more dangerous people in Congress, because she's not like Ocasio-Cortez, who's just dumb as a box of rocks. I think ocasio cortez her her beliefs are dangerous. you know she says a lot of stupid things, but I don't think she's completely stupid. I think to some extent she knows what she's talking about in, in the way of she wants to transform this country. she wants America to be a more socialist country, but Ilan Omar, I've not heard her make as many gaffes as Ocasio Cortez. She knows what she's talking about. She is an extremist with a goal in mind. And it kind of leads me to this topic. I've been reading this book, and I think I've teased it before on this show. It's called Truth Bombs. It's by Steve Dace. Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. And you can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, just wherever you get your books. And it's just one of my favorite cultural political books if you will out there and I think this is a book that will last a long time it's not just commenting on what's going on today in culture and politics but it's it's really getting to the heart of what the conservative movement should be about and many people and I've seen this over and over again and, and you know I've done it myself it's really easy to do people think of conservatism as a political ideology it is not just a political it's far more than that conservatism at its core is observational science before the term conservatism became popular the idea behind conservatism was around during our founders time when they you know put together the declaration of independence and the bill of rights and the constitution they wanted to conserve ideas that have stood the test of time for thousands of years And at the same time, make America a unique place to do something that has never really been done before in human history. Have a limited, representative, free, and just a free and great country. And that's what they were about. But too often we assign conservatism to the Republican Party. And although the Republican Party you know if you look at the platform conservatives have influenced the party platform but if you look at the politicians that are in office they aren't living up to that platform i mean how many of you can honestly sit there and say that you are proud of the representatives who claim to be republican and conservative and how many can you ha- can you name that have really stood by their principles i mean there are, there's a handful but many of them, especially the leadership in the Republican Party, aren't interested in what you want. They're interested in their own power and control. And, you know, it's easy for us to get angry at people like Ilan Omar for saying those kinds of things. It's easy for us to get angry at people like Nancy Pelosi, Ocasio Cortez. It's angry for us to get it's easy for us to get angry at the Republicans in Washington who talk a good game, but don't really, you know, follow through with what they promise. But it's another thing to look yourself in the mirror and ask, what am I doing to contribute to this? I mean, I'm not saying it's all our fault, but, you know, I I saw a meme on Facebook and it was like, you know, the problem isn't who is serving in the White House four to eight years. The problem is who, who is serving in Congress 30 to 40 years. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, yeah, there's some truth to that, obviously, but who's electing those people? The American people who's electing Nancy Pelosi every two years. It's the people who are doing that in her district who's electing these spineless Republicans year after year after year. It's the American people. And one of the things I love the most about this book Truth Bombs by Steve Dace, D-E-A-C-E, is he talks about how, you know, one of, the, one of the lies that conservatives believe is that, you know, the Republican Party is interested in you. It's not. It's not interested in you. You know, they will promise all these different kinds of things. But when it comes to actually delivering on those promises, they don't. And part of the problem is that we, as people... We are more interested. We we look too much to what a politician believes, rather than what their passions are. We look at what their what drive. We should be looking at what drives them, what gives them purpose. Is it just to hold a political office, to be on a committee, to get some legislation passed? Because look they can talk a good game all they want. And they can say, oh, I'm, I'm pro-life. Or, oh, I'm for smaller government. Oh, I'm for tax cuts. Oh, I'm for, you know, getting, getting us out of all these wars and all these countries and bringing us back home. But when they actually hold the power, they don't follow through with that. Well, why is that? Well, part of it's because that's not what their passions are that may be what their positions are at the time but positions change. And let me read to you this page from the book. This is on page 105. And it's talking about how we need to really how to really figure out what a politician believes and if it's just a talking point or if it's a passion. And it is, you know, we're not perfect, we'll get it wrong. But this is a really great way to start looking at things. It starts out, this is kind of in the middle of the chapter, but it starts off by saying, we ask our candidates their positions, such as if they are pro-life, low tax, and strong national defense. But they can be trained by consultants to say certain buzzwords or catchphrases to align with our positions. Or they can even have those positions for real on the campaign trail until they get into office and realize those positions come with a price they're not willing to pay then they're gone with the wind, dude. Here's a trusty guide to help you discern a candidate's real convictions on four of our most important contemporary issues. And the first one is life. Instead of asking them if they're pro-life, ask them when they think human life begins. If they say anything other than conception or biological beginning, then they're not really pro-life. And if they say conception, then ask them what they plan on doing to protect life at conception, as well as what they've done up until this point. If they've got no answer to protecting life at conception, or they have exceptions other than when another life is at stake, they're not really pro-life. They may be anti-abortion, as in they oppose abortion on demand as a barbaric practice, but they're not really pro-life. And he says, I can promise you this. A candidate who won't protect the God-given right to life won't protect any of your other God-given rights either. So always start here. Life is more than a litmus test, but a window to a soul. If they fail here, there's no point in continuing the conversation. And it's, it's what I've said on the, well, this podcast and other shows that I've done. If we can't even get the life issue correct... What are we even doing here? What is the point to all of this? If we claim to be conservative, and we claim to be pro-life, but we can't even align ourselves and and stay together and unify on these basic fundamental issues, what's the point? You know, my home state here in Missouri has gone through a process of putting together this bill that says... No abortion after 8 weeks. None. Which would outlaw pretty much. (laughs) The vast majority of abortions. At that point. And they've given no exceptions. In case of rape or incest. And the state of Alabama has done. An even more. What they call radical proposal. No abortions period. No exceptions. And. The governor. Who's a female, by the way, signed it into law. And I believe it was a female that proposed the legislation, or helped write it at least. And all these leftists are like, all these white men are trying to control women's bodies. No, actually there's plenty of women that agree with that too, that, that are trying to stop the the evil practice of genocide inside a woman's body. You know, and and all these things that you know, this is this goes far beyond politics. Again, conservatism should not be about politics. It should be about observational science and getting to the core of the moral issue. What is really at stake here? Is it who's going to be elected, or is it you know, standing before your maker <laughs> giving an account and saying, "You know, did I live up to these standards that I claim to believe? And I'm not saying that all conservatives are Christians. I'm just saying, if you're really going to take a position on something, if you're going to claim to believe in pro-life issues, if you're going to claim to believe in limited government, then you have to be consistent with that. You know, some conservatives, who I know and respect, well, not know, but I am aware of and respect, are going around and trashing some of these laws because it goes too far. It doesn't give enough exceptions. I'm sorry, uh is there an exception to when life is sacred or is it just when it's inconvenient that then you can get rid of it you know that's that's my problem with and i'm not trying to get too far down a rabbit trail here but i'm just trying to use examples to explain why this is why this all comes together and why it's so important you know you claim to believe that That thing inside the woman's body isn't just a clump of tissues, but it's another living thing. But if you say, in the case of rape or incest, well, then that life should be aborted if the woman so chooses. What you're really saying is that life doesn't matter anymore. I mean, there have been several congressional testimonies from people who have been conceived in rape who have been conceived in very inconvenient circumstances even if it was consensual not rape but you know just consensual sex and the woman later realized oh i can't afford to do this or oh this is this is going to make my life more difficult and they've still gone through with the pregnancy and these, these people who have been conceived through those circumstances live to tell the tale. Are their lives not valuable? They said, so, well, no, their lives are valuable. Well, if you're giving an exception to rape, what you're saying is those lives aren't valuable. You can't have it both ways. You can't on the one hand say, well, every life is precious. But on the other hand say, except when there's a really awful thing that happens. I'm sorry. Yes rape is awful it is a terrible terrible thing and we have i think honestly you know these people complaining about these rape laws that the people who commit rape aren't getting as many years in prison or as severe sentences hey i'm on board with you okay we should do more to make if you rape someone you're gone from society you know period and so i'm on board with that but one violent Evil act doesn't excuse another violent evil act known as abortion. That's just where I stand. So that's just an example I'm trying to use. But again, it goes back to being consistent with your values. If you claim to be a conservative, then you have to be a conservative. Period. You know? And there's a difference between you know ag- agreeing with every single policy your you know fellow conservative may, may believe but it, it, you don't have to agree on every single policy but you have to get the fundamental principles down it's like christianity yeah there's different denominations but if you can't even get the fundamental beliefs and teachings of jesus christ down we're really headed in the wrong direction so it's just an extra long rant i know but this is something that's really been bugging me for a while. And I think we really have to do a better job understanding what we believe and why we believe it. Don't just listen to the catchphrases. Don't just listen to the, the cliche sayings. But dig deeper. Dig much deeper. Okay, that's going to do it for the Plague Johnson Podcast. Thank you everyone for listening today. Appreciate it very much. I will see you back here next time. In the meantime... Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the weekend and God bless.